morning. Uh, open with me to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20 is where we're going to be today. Uh, welcome back. Last week, obviously, we had to cancel church because of level two snow emergency, and so hopefully you enjoyed that little bit of a break. Um, but as we say a lot around here, there's nothing better than being in the room, and uh, so I'm really glad that you're here this morning. I want to celebrate something real quick. Um, I've always been of the mindset of what you celebrate, you duplicate, and so I want to celebrate something that's awesome. Um, so six months ago, um, we used to do ministry with Welcome Warehouse, Dublin Bridges, great friends of ours, but it was really limited to two volunteers on a, a week to, or a month-to-month basis. It was me and Pastor Joe, and then occasionally we'd have a church member or two sprinkled into that just because of the time frames. It was all so odd, um, but we knew that the Lord had opened that door for us. Here's what's really neat to me. Over the past five weeks, so the Finding Hope Center has been open for about two months now past five weeks is where things have really ramped up and moved fast. In the past five weeks, we've been able to help 10 families from out in the community, uh, families getting them couches, bed, uh, mattresses, bed frames, box springs, sheets, cereal, toys, you name it, they've been able to get this stuff, which is awesome, y'all, because a few weeks ago, this didn't exist. And so what Jesus has done through that is pretty amazing. But here's what's really neat to me. Um, like I said, six months ago, two volunteers. In the last five weeks, our Finding Hope Center coordinators, Jenny Kibbe and Drea Sepulveda, have been able to get 32 volunteers engaged in the ministry over there. That's a 16-fold increase in what we were doing just a few short months ago. And so that just blew my mind. I was thinking about that last night, writing down the names of all the different people that have helped. And um, we're moving in the right direction with the Finding Hope Center. Many of you are scheduled in February to serve over there, which is awesome. And uh, if you're not signed up and you want to serve in the Finding Hope Center, make sure you take that bulletin sometime today, fill out that communication card and say, sign me up, I'll do anything, all right? And drop that in the black box on your way out so we can get you connected over there. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20 is where we're going to land this morning, Proverbs 20 and 22. If you'll stand with me in honor of reading God's word, we're going to read two verses, Proverbs 20 verse 7, and then we're going to read Proverbs 22 verse 6, and uh, we're calling this message today, Highlight Reels in Real Life. And God's word says this, a righteous person acts with integrity. His children who come after him will be happy. Proverbs 22 verse 6, a couple pages later, Solomon writes this, start a youth out in his way. And even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you again for this morning, for the privilege we have to gather in your house around your word with your people to celebrate you. And Jesus, I pray that your spirit would dwell among us in this place. Teach us, grow us, and mold us into the likeness of Christ. Would you give us the ears we need to hear from you, Lord? Hearts to receive a word from the throne of heaven today. And hands and feet to live this out as we walk with Jesus the rest of our week. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to show you a picture this morning from this past fall of my family. I think it'll be on our screen and on our live stream today. So this is a picture of my family at the pumpkin patch this past October. And at first glance, I was looking at this picture a couple nights ago. This is a, a fairly cute picture of my family. You got Beauty and the Beast and their two kids. And, uh, you know, so my family always brings up the beautiful level in every photo that we take. And this is kind of just one of those nice picture-perfect moments. We'd spent a good chunk of the evening at the pumpkin patch. Kids enjoyed their time mostly. The sun was setting off in the distance. It's why we're squinting a little bit. The weather was perfect, unlike it is right now. There was a cool breeze coming off the pumpkin patch. Everything was just picture-perfect, ending to a picture-perfect day. And I'm a liar. <laughs> because that's not what was going on before this photo. 
And if you're a parent in here, you totally understand this, that actually before this photo, the true colors, especially of my children, came out. Because right before this photo, my oldest daughter wanted to go home, therefore she had no desire to take this picture. And I can remember right before this having to threaten her that I was going to ground her for literally the rest of the pandemic, which is probably going to last another 20 years. I said, so you're going, to be, you're going to be grounded to your an adult, and she loves television. I said, Sophia, I'm going to throw away the TV when we get home. If you don't sit down, be quiet, and smile. I remember our youngest daughter, Colby, three years old. She's three, so she didn't want to look at the camera. Why? Because she's three. She had no desire to, so we had to tell her, either you smile right now for this photo, because we have to put this on Facebook in a minute, so you have to smile, or I'm going to throw away every toy that you own and every piece of candy in our house. Y'all laugh, but you do it too, don't y'all? That's why we titled this Highlight Reels in Real Life. We see these kind of pictures all over the place of people's family, but real life is real life. We threaten our kids like this, and then what do we say? Smile! <laughs> Smile! My parenting book is coming out this fall, in case y'all want to buy it. And let me give us two statements that if you're a parent in here, these are going to deserve a resounding amen because they're so true, but they'll serve as a platform for us today. Um, parenting is hard and kids are difficult. Yeah? Parenting is hard and kids are difficult. And if you are a parent, someday maybe you will be a parent. There is one area of life that I promise you so you will have continual conflict forever, and it's in raising your children. Why? Because parenting is hard and kids are difficult. And what I want us to do today from these two Proverbs, and there's so many that we could look at, is I want us to answer the question, what's my role as a godly parent? If God has entrusted me with children and I am now a parent, what's my role as a godly parent? And the ups and downs, the joys and the heartaches, the good and the bad, what's my biblically defined role as a mom and as a dad? And this week's going to be a little bit different because last week when we looked at friendship, we talked about reducing conflict in our friendships by developing character qualities and virtues that would help us do that as much as it's up to me being at peace with everyone, like Paul says. The thing with parenting is if you live your role as a godly parent, it's interesting, I think it might actually increase your conflict with your children because children often resist godly parenting, but it doesn't change that they still need it. And so even this title of our series, Me Versus You, it kind of takes an inverse twist this morning because we're going to look very specifically as what's my role as a godly parent? What do the Proverbs say is my role as a mom and as a dad? In Proverbs, there's 22 verses specifically that talk about the role of a parent-child relationship. Friendship, there was only nine verses. This is a very important subject to the heart of God. And these two Proverbs that we're going to look at very specifically, as I studied these these past couple weeks, they were so helpful to me as a parent, as a father, on really understanding and starting to define more clearly and bring into focus what God expects of me as a dad. Now, let me uh, kind of preface this. We talked about it last week, but I want to make sure we're very clear on this. Um, when we study the Proverbs, we study the Proverbs a little bit differently than we do other books of the Bible. This isn't a book of literature. It's not narrative. It's not prophetic. This book of the Bible is just wisdom. If you've been following along with us reading through the Proverbs day by day over the month of February, you'll see that it's just wisdom over wisdom, statement over statement that Solomon makes to just give practical advice on how you live. A father to a child, what does God expect of you? But here's what I want to make sure. I talked to somebody this past week. I want to make sure that we understand this. 
Sometimes when we read the Proverbs, we have to make sure um, that we root them in the gospel. Not sometimes, all the time. Because the Proverbs are so practical that sometimes we can read them and they literally just tell you exactly what to do, that you can get caught up in a whirlwind of of moralistic, self-centered living. Right, where everything depends on you to accomplish the things that are found in this book because it's so practical. And I want to remind us so much today that as we approach parenting from the Proverbs, remember that the only way you can be a godly parent is under the power of the Holy Spirit. That the only way to be a godly parent as you leave here this week and go and parent your children, whether they're little or grown, is under the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the spirit of Jesus living inside of you, as Paul writes in Romans, then working through you to be the godly parent that God has called you to be. And so if there's areas, and I found this many times this week, where you fall short in what God requires of you as a mother or a father, understand that you can reach the, uh, maybe the level that God wants you to be at, or you can accomplish what he wants you to accomplish as a parent only through the power of the spirit of Jesus working in you. We'll try to do it in your own power. None of that stuff. We want to do it through the power of Jesus. Second preface here. There's many in our room today watching online, listening on the radio, where you're thinking to yourself, well, this doesn't apply to me because you don't have children. So what does being a parent have to do with you? Let me give you three quick little thoughts on that. First, you may have kids someday. Don't tell God what he won't do. You may have kids someday. And I can tell you from experience, I've been a dad now uh, for, for nine years that I wish I knew back then the things that I knew know now. As a parent, I wish I knew in the early days the things that I know now. And I wish I would have learned from people that have gone before me that had wisdom that I had yet to gain. So lean in on this stuff today. It's helpful because you may be a parent someday. Here's the second thing I think is important. You may never have children. You may be sitting here today listening online, and you may never have children at any point in your life. But listen to this. This is important, too. While raising kids is a task that is led out and and controlled by a mom and dad, effective raising of children is actually done in a community of believers. We need each other. We need people coming alongside us as moms and dads who maybe don't have children of their own that can help give perspective and wisdom that we don't see. That's helpful. So lean in on this today so that maybe you understand from a biblical perspective how parents think, function, and operate. You're helpful in the journey. Here's the last thing. Just because something doesn't apply to us doesn't mean it's not helpful to have a biblical worldview of that subject. Do you know how lost sometimes we could get as Christians if we only wanted to hear things and learn things that were applicable to our own situation? But the Bible is rich and full of truth from so many varying angles and capacities that as followers of Jesus, we need to learn things, everything from a biblical world view. We need to have our lives shaped completely by the word of God. So that was kind of my little platform today. Now, what, does, what is required of me as a godly parent? If you're a note taker, here's our first point. Let's talk about living as a godly parent. Living as a godly parent. Look again at verse 7 of Proverbs 20. Solomon writes these words. He says, A righteous person acts with integrity. His children who come after him will be happy. When you read that, that should be an encouraging verse to you because it shows you and I, as Jesus followers and as parents, the importance and significance of the decisions that we make as mom and dad. Let me, let me give you this little, little thought, and I would write this down if you, or type this in your phone. The choices you make will affect your children. 
So Solomon tells us right there, the choices you make will affect your children. That's a very simple but profound thought, especially in a culture that peddles this idea of my choices only affect me, it's only about me, it's me, 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 me all the time. Solomon turns that on its head. He says, no, 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 no. The choices you choose to make right now will someday, maybe immediately, or it may be delayed, but they will affect your children. Now, notice what he says here about a, a godly parent here, how they're described in this verse. First, Solomon says that a parent is a righteous person. What does that mean? It means that as a parent, you have to have a right standing before God. That you believe and put faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, 1 Corinthians 15, and now you live your life in the sufficiency of the work of the cross. Romans talks about that. That as a parent, you're choosing to live righteously. Specifically for us, this side of the cross, we're living in the A.D. period of human history. It's being a parent who is unashamedly walking with Jesus. That you've put your faith in him and now you live righteously. You walk in that decision. We need moms and dads who don't only profess faith in Jesus with their words, but they also live it out with their lives. See, when Solomon tells us here that we need righteous people, righteous parents, friends, we need moms and dads who are willing to walk in righteousness. Can, can I tell you, as a, 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 not only a pastor, but as a man and as a brother and a sister, and man, so many varying capacities in which God has called me, listen to this, we have enough of this wishy-washy, Jesus is my crutch, faith is a weekend kind of Christianity being peddled in our nation right now. We need more moms and dads that walk in righteousness, that courageously and unashamedly walk with Jesus in front of their children, no matter what it costs them, unconditionally choosing Christ above all else, no matter what it costs. Why do we need to do that? Number one, because that's what it means to be obedient to Christ. But number two, our kids, daggone, need to see it. They are being infiltrated culturally from all angles all the time right now. And they need to see moms and dads who live out and walk righteously. You can't outsource this to somebody. You can't expect your kids to learn what it means to walk with Jesus organically. You need to show them what righteous living is. we got to show them what godly living is. We need to show them what it looks to walk with Jesus day by day we got to show them what it looks like to be devoted to Christ with my entire life. Moms and dads, let me get you a couple questions to ask today, or even Christians in general. Ask yourself this. Do your children see you living righteously? Do your children see you living out your faith day by day? Here's a big one. Do your children know Jesus more because they were entrusted by God to you? Do your children know Jesus more because God entrusted them to you to be their parents? Here's a couple more questions to consider today. And these are not meant, please hear my heart. These are not meant to be moralistic or condemning. These are the things that the Lord was asking me as I was reading Proverbs, Proverbs 20, verse 7. The things that God was challenging me with as a dad. Here's what they were. When's the last time your kids saw you reading your Bible outside of church? Not, not the most recent 30-day devotional that some Christian author wrote, but I mean the old-fashioned, pen-soaked, highlighter-soaked, page-turning Word of God. I love technology as much as the next guy, but there's nothing better than an old-fashioned Bible with a leather-bound cover. You know why? Because my kids need to see me sitting at a desk every morning with my heart poured out over this book. They need to see that. 
They need to see. Because a lot of times I could say, I'm over here reading my Bible on my phone. I'm not against this. Please don't hear that this morning. But my kid doesn't know whether I'm on Facebook or in the Word of God. My kids need to see me pouring my spirit and God pouring his spirit back into me through the scriptures. Here's a second question for you. When's the last time your kids prayed with you? More than just their dinner. When did you last time we, we intentionally prayed with our children? Prayed about things that are going on in their heart. And we actually cried out to God with them. Here's one. This is a challenging one for me. When's the last time your family had a discussion surrounding things of faith? Friends, I've learned something, especially since uh, our kids' ministry here. I love our kids' ministry. But our kids ask the most challenging questions. If, if you want to be challenged in your faith, go serve in kids' ministry one week. They ask crazy things. And I've learned as a dad through watching what they've done over there. And the, I mean, Every week it almost seems like one of the volunteers comes up to me. And they're like, Aaron, your kid asked this crazy question. <laughs> What do we do with that? I'm like, I don't know. They're, you deal with them. You know, no, I don't really do that. But why do we do that? Because we need to have questions and conversations with our kids surrounding things of the faith. We need to challenge them to think deeply and ask deep questions about God. We need to teach them to do that, to wrestle with the scriptures and wrestle with faith concepts and theological concepts that they don't understand yet. How do we do that? We model it for them. We talk about it in the car to and from church. We talk about it at the dinner table. We talk about it on the couch. We don't run from those things. We model it to our children. When's the last time your kids saw you make a decision where your faith was on full display and your family had to trust Jesus on a deeper level? Friends, so much of faith is learned, but a lot of it is actually lived. Your kids need to see you living out your faith in front of them. And Solomon reminds us as parents to do what? Proverbs 27, to live righteously. And you know, here, here's what's interesting. I thought about this. I talked to my wife about it. We can't only show them righteous living during a church service. You know? You know how much church takes up of your week? I never thought about this until this week, I don't think. That... Your church experience every week is 2% of your waking hours. It means 98% of the other time your kids are being influenced by other sources. Mine too. And if I don't infiltrate the other 98% of the time, those other 98% of the time is probably going to be winning in what influences their heart. I refuse to let that be the case. I'm going to live my faith out righteously before my children as I walk with Jesus. Look at what Solomon goes on to say in Proverbs 20, verse 7. He says, coupled with righteous living is this idea of what? Living or acting with integrity. What does he say there? A righteous person acts with integrity. What does that mean? What does it mean to act with integrity? You see, although Jesus has made us completely righteous before the eyes of God, that's important, that's very biblical, living and acting with integrity means that I have a responsibility now as a parent to pursue a blameless life. Jesus has justified me before God. That's grace upon grace. But it doesn't negate my responsibility as a follower of Jesus to pursue blameless living. It's this idea of what Jesus has done in me needs to spill over around me. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a perfect parent. Any amens to that? We're going to mess up as moms and dads. We're going to make bad decisions, do things we probably shouldn't do. The only perfect is God our Father sitting on a throne in heaven. But you know what blameless and living with integrity actually looks like? It's moms and dads who own up to their own sin and practice repentance in front of their kids. Man, we need a lot more of this. I need to live a lot more of this. 
How's your kid going to know what it looks like to live a life of repentance and integrity and blamelessness if you and I don't model it for them? How much of faith is actually caught and not just taught? You know, as a man, and guys, I'm sure you all can sympathize with this, it's hard for me to admit when I'm wrong. (laughs) Sometimes my wife points it out, but I refuse to let her win, right? (laughs) It's hard to admit when we're wrong, isn't it? It's hard to admit to your children when you made a mistake. And some of the hardest moments that I've ever had of repentance is when I've known that I've treated my kids unfairly or said something to them that I shouldn't have said, and I have to swallow my pride, walk up into their room, and apologize to them for what I did. But do you know what that models for our children? Integrity. Blameless living. That when I mess up, I'm willing to own my mistakes. We show them what that looks like so that they know what that looks like with God as well. That's the calling of a parent, the calling of a mom and dad. We need to show that to our children leading the way in their walk with Jesus. Look at Proverbs 27 with me again. The next part. So so Solomon says when we intentionally live in the light of the cross, right? So we're living righteously. We're living lives of integrity. What's the, the, the promise associated with this? Proverbs 27. The righteous person acts with integrity, and here it is. And his children who come after him will what? They'll be happy. They'll be happy. Your Bible might actually say that your kids coming after you will actually be blessed. I like that wording a little bit better. What does it mean that your kids are blessed because you lived a life of righteous integrity? When you showed them the gospel, what does that mean? You showed them how to walk with Jesus. The result is a blessing. What is the blessing? That you showed them the gospel. That's the blessing. That your child has a model and a picture and an example of what it looks like to walk with Jesus. Your child knows the blessing is they know what righteous, a righteous life of integrity actually looks like. In a culture that, again, is bombarding them from all directions, you gave them a fighting chance to know what it looks like to walk with Jesus. That's the blessing that they get. We show them what it looks like to walk with Christ. We don't show them a fake version We don't show them a version that they see on television that just makes fun of Christians. Instead, I'm going to choose to live a righteous life of integrity in front of my kids, and they're going to be blessed by it. Why? Because they're going to know what it looks like to walk with Jesus. Moms and dads, we have to do this for our kids. A couple things I wrote down that I think are important around this. First off, you can't pass what you don't possess. You can't pass on to your children what you don't possess. Friends, if we don't live this kind of faith in front of our children when they're young, don't be surprised when later in life they don't live that kind of faith when they're old. It's not going to happen. We have to model this for our children. Don't expect your kids, man, somebody, goodness, don't expect your kids to just do what you say. Wouldn't that be awesome? It just doesn't work that way. How often do our kids not do what we say, but they actually mimic who we are? You ever realize that? Sometimes you look at your kids and you're like, oh my gosh, they're just like me. That can be good or bad. But if you choose to live a righteous life of integrity, Solomon says they will be blessed because that is a good thing. They will mimic you, and that is a good thing. Here's the second thing. If you marginalize your faith in front of your children, don't expect them to prioritize it later in life. You can't marginalize what you expect them to prioritize. It won't happen. I heard a guy this week as I was studying this, he was preaching a similar message. He said, if your kids go to bed on Saturday night and have to ask the question, are we going to church tomorrow? That's a problem. If your kids sit down at the dinner table and have to ask, are we going to pray tonight? It's probably a problem. You see, we can't expect our kids to prioritize what we've chosen to marginalize. 
It's just stuff God's teaching me this week. I hope this is helpful for you. You see, whether your child's one or 30, it doesn't matter, but Solomon promises here, a righteous person acts with integrity, and what is the result? Here it is. His children will be happy. His children will be blessed. We've got to live as godly parents in front of our kids. Here's point number two, leading as a godly parent. Proverbs 22.6, this is going to be fun. You all ready? Leading as a godly parent. Look at this verse. Start a youth out in his way, and even when he grows old, he's not going to depart from it. Now, me and Joe got into it a little bit this week about this verse. Me and my wife got into it this week a little bit about this verse. Me and my friend Dwayne got into it a little bit this week about this verse. I want to I challenge us a little bit today about what the Lord has challenged me with. Because what I'm going to say here in a moment, many of you, if you've heard this verse before, are going to go, that's not right. Chill. Okay? Relax for a second. And you might even get a little bit upset with me because of how I'm going to show you this verse. Okay? Just relax. I want to saturate this verse in grace. And I want us to see what Jesus wants to teach us here. And hopefully this will be helpful for you. I know this was helpful for me. Proverbs 22.6, incredibly popular verse in Christian circles. You've probably heard this before. We've all heard it. Some people, it's their life verse. I have friends where this is their, their life verse in raising their children. What do we typically say? My version's a little bit different. I use the CSB, but we got a lot of old souls in here that use the New King James, ESV, NASB. Typically, what those versions are going to say is train a child in the way they should go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. Here's the struggle with that verse and the typical interpretation in it. It produces a lot of guilt in parents. That verse typically, if we read it from those translations and at face value, it produces a lot of guilt in parents. Because here's what happens, and I've seen this play out before. I have friends where this has played out in their lives, even in my family in some cases. Often a child will grow up in a godly home. And they had moms and dads who were faith rock stars, the best parents around, who raised their children in the faith. They did all of the right things. They were constantly at church. They prayed together. They did family devotions. Man, they did the right things and what it looks like to train their children in the way they should go. But then their child grows up, wanders off, does their own thing, and completely rejects that faith upbringing that they were brought up in. They're the prodigal child in Luke chapter 15. And so here's what the problem here. It's real and it happens. Then you have parents who were clinging to this verse, Proverbs 22, 6, but then they're looking at their life and their life is not aligning with what the scriptures are teaching. And I've, I've, I've counseled parents through this. I've, I've sat with moms and dads crying in my office asking questions like, where did we go wrong? We thought we raised our children up. We thought we trained them in the right way. What should we have done different? And what does that do? They use the scriptures, and it puts guilt on their shoulders. Well-meaning, Jesus-loving, faith-filled moms and dads who now feel guilty that they didn't do something correctly. My child's not living in the faith. They've run from the faith. Where did I go wrong? And here's where I struggle with that. Because there's really, it leads us to two logical conclusions. Either the parent didn't raise their child right which I often don't think is the case, or God is a liar, which is never the case. Because if the parent didn't raise their child right, you observe their family and watch their family, and you're going, there's no way. I know that family. I've observed them. I know what goes on in their home. But the Scripture didn't play out the way that it should have because they did train their child right. But now that their child is old, their child has run away from the faith. Then you have to ask the question, well, then did God lie? God is not a liar. 
So the question that, again, that we have to ask ourselves is where do we go from here? And I want to give you this morning, and stick with me, I promise this will make sense, a different approach to this verse. Because often I think we take this verse and we view it as a direct promise from God. Train them up, they won't depart. Train them up, they won't depart. Yet when they do depart, then we question God's promises. We can't do that. God never lies. God is true 100% of the time. So write this down if you like to take notes. What if instead of this being a direct promise from God, this is actually a warning from God? And I want to show you why here in just a second. What if instead of a promise, this is warning? Now, we're going to step into the weeds for a moment, then we're going to knock them down and hopefully bring some clarity. I want to show you the, the traditional rendering of this verse. Throw those next, oh, there they are, perfect. So here's, here's true to traditional renderings. N, NK, NKJV, New King's James Version, many people still use that today. What does it say? Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. ESV, another incredibly popular version of the Bible that people use. Train a child in the way that he should go, and when he's older, he will not depart from it. Some Bible translations like the, the ASV or the ESV, um, um, NASB, there's different ones out there that you could read. Many of them, they'll say something like, train a child in the right way, things of the faith. When they're old, they won't depart from it. Let me teach you something. If you ever approach a scripture that doesn't make sense or that doesn't seem to be true, the problem is with us, not the word. So we need to study deeply. Don't just say, well, I'm just going to cast this off to the side and just keep going about my day. No, study the scriptures deeply because God is always true. Here's what's incredible. That word should, or maybe your Bible translation says train a child in the right way, that word or those qualifiers are not found in the Hebrew. That changes the meaning of this verse. You had well-meaning interpreters trying to make a helpful addition to the scripture that were trying to help us along the way that actually, if we don't study deeply, bring confusion. Those qualifiers of should or right way are actually not in the original language. Now, I verified this with Bible scholars who are significantly smarter than me, so don't think, Aaron's going rogue and liberal. Chill out, okay? It's not what's happening. Many, many, many well-known Bible teachers will actually show you this very same thing. Let me give you a very literal rendering of Proverbs 22, verse 6. This changes the meaning from a promise to a warning. Here it is. And actually, side note, the CSB translates it correctly. That's why I love that translation of the Bible. All you ESV people, New King James folks, we still love y'all, but CSB is superior, okay? Let me give you a very literal translation of this verse from the Hebrew. Here's what it says. Train a child in his way, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. It changes the meaning. It goes from a promise to a mom and dad to a warning to a mom and dad. Let me explain it this way. What Solomon is teaching us here is that when your children are young and you never correct them, instead you train a child in his way, in his decisions, in the things that he wants, you give them their way all the time. What Solomon warned us, that when they're old, you're going to have a heck of a time. You're going to have a heck of a time. It's interesting because Proverbs 22.6 actually fits in context with nine verses later in this same chapter. Proverbs 22, verse 15, Solomon says, Fully or, or folly or foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And Solomon says, It must be corrected, trained, or disciplined out of your children. Friends, culturally, we're told as parents that we need to let our kids follow their heart. No! The heart is deceitful above all else, Jeremiah says in chapter 17, verse 9. 
We're told that you need to let their ch your children find their way. No! You need to let your children make their own decisions. No! You need to let your children choose the life that they want to live. No! Why? Because nine verses later, Solomon says that the heart of a child is bound up with foolishness and it has to be disciplined out of them. Because if you leave a child to his own way when he's older, you're going to have a heck of a time. You've got to take care of it when they're young. And you have to, we've got to teach them that no means no. When mom and dad say that you can't do something, guess what? You don't get to do it just because you want to. I'm glad it's a Baptist church because you all get it. We've got to teach our children that discipline is sometimes needed. I'm not talking about abuse and all that. If, if you do that to your children or you know somebody that does, they are a coward and they deserve to be beat up. We don't talk, and that's a joke. But discipline, sometimes our children do need to be corrected. We need to teach our children what correction looks like. We need to teach them what discipline looks like. We need to teach them what it looks like to walk a life of integrity. Why? Because Solomon says if you leave them to their own devices, they're headed for destruction. This isn't a promise, friends. This is a warning. And Solomon says as a parent, you need to train and discipline and correct your child and to give them a fighting chance to choose Jesus later in life. Give them a fighting chance. It's not on you whether or not they chose Jesus. Salvation belongs to the Lord. We clear on that? You could be a rock star, Jesus-filled, faith-loving parent, man, all that good stuff. And your kids still may choose not to follow Christ. That's not on you. It's not on you. You may have totally blown it, but the grace of Jesus steps into the picture and your kid becomes the next Billy Graham. Guess what? That's not on you either. That is the grace of Jesus intervening in the life of your child sovereignly for things and, and circumstances and reasons we just don't understand. But I'm still going to choose to walk as an obedient parent. And I'm going to train sin out of my children. I'm going to teach them what correction looks like. You know your kid needs to know that Romans 3.23 teaches that they're a sinner and need a savior. That's important. Your kid needs to know that the natural inclination and leaning of their heart is away from Jesus. So they can't follow their own heart. They need to follow Jesus. They need to understand sin and correction and mercy and grace that's found in Christ and loving forgiveness and what that actually looks like lived out. When we train our children, we're showing them a picture of the gospel. That because we love them, we refuse to train them in their own way. Because we love our children, we refuse to leave them to their own devices. Instead, we say, you know what? Because I love you, I'm going to train you, and I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to mold you, and I'm going to grow you, and then I'm going to give you to Jesus. And I'm going to pray that Jesus intervenes in your life and that you choose to follow Christ. You see, a traditional understanding of Proverbs 22, verse 6, would produce guilt in your heart. I believe when we understand it this way, it magnifies grace. It magnifies the grace of Jesus. Because it's not on me as a parent to make sure my kid follows Christ. It's on Christ. But I'm going to give my kid a fighting chance. I'm going to model for him what faith looks like and righteous living and integrity. And at the end of the day, friends, I have to ask myself the question, every night when I go to bed, did I train my child in their own way or did I point them to Jesus? And some nights, I'm going to tell you, and many of you know this, some nights I have to repent. 
Because there's some nights where I can confidently tell you I did not train my child the right way. I left them to their own devices and let them get away with stuff that they should have not got away with. And you know what we do in those moments? We magnify grace, we totally repent, and then we commit our child to Jesus that night. And there's some nights where I'm going to go to bed and I ask myself the question, did I train my child out of their way and point them towards Jesus? And I can say confidently, yes. And you know what happens in that moment? I still give my child back to Christ. I say, Jesus, do a work in their heart that I can't do. It's totally up to you, Lord, but I'm going to give them a fighting chance of what it looks like to follow Christ. Salvation belongs to the Lord, not me. Don't live in guilt. Live in grace as a, a parent. I'll tell you one more story and we're done. This past Monday afternoon, I was sitting at our, our desk at our home office. We were still under like a level two emergency around here. And um, we got this at our, our new house. We have this long desk in our basement. So I got a spot at the desk. And my daughter, Sophia, has a spot at the desk for her to do her schoolwork. And so it's kind of this new dynamic for us that we're kind of working through. And typically I'm here, but because of the weather, I was home. And so Liz came downstairs, and Sophia was working on her school. And Liz came downstairs, and I had just started kind of digesting some of this stuff from Proverbs and some of these things that the Lord was teaching me. And I was telling Liz some of these things I wanted to share today. And I'm like, I'm like babe, I just want so badly for parents to just, I just want us all to get it, me included. Like, what would it look like to just have this army of moms and dads that just chose, Lord, I am, I'm going to put a stake in the ground and I'm going to live righteously before my kids, no matter the cost, no matter what comes at me. I'm going to choose Jesus every day. I'm going to love my kids deeply. I'm going to repent often. I'm just going to point them to Christ. Like, and I was just pouring my heart out to my wife. And I ended with that phrase. I said, Liz, I just want kids to have a fighting chance to follow Christ. And just in this, like, this moment, like sometimes you have those moments as a parent where your heart just like swells up and you think you're going to explode. Sophia pulls her headphones down. She says, hey, yeah, daddy, you don't have to worry about me. I said, why is that? She said, I'm not going to walk away from Jesus. Of course, your eyes get a little teary. I said, why is that, baby? She said, daddy, because I'm saved. Put her headphones back on and started doing school. And you know what, though? It gives me hope. And I, and I, again, I had to commit myself afresh this week. You can read my prayer journal if you think I'm a liar. I had to commit myself afresh this week where I said, Jesus, i got to point my kids to you every day. And I'm going to leave it up to you whether or not they follow you. It's not up to me. It's up to you. Daggone it, I'm going to give them a fighting chance. I'm going to show them what it looks like. And I'm going to give them a fighting chance. And I hope you'll do the same. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that today was not only, not only brought conviction onto our hearts, Lord, but also hope into our souls. God, for the moms and dads that maybe have little children, Lord, and they're in the throes of training those children. God, would we commit afresh today? Lord, to living righteous lives of integrity before our kids today. Lord, those that maybe have grown children that have moved out, live all over the place, would we do the very same thing? Not dwell on the past, Lord, but live in the present and make the decision today of I'm going to show my children what it looks like to walk with Jesus. Father, thank you so much for your word that it's alive and it's active. God, that it teaches, trains us, and it draws us closer to Christ. Thank you for our time together, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray these things. Amen.